What's one thing you like most about yourself? I think it's my sense of humor. I'm actually kind of funny. Tell us your favorite hobby or pastime. Uh, ceramics. Wow, that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. No. <laughs> you were expecting me to say like, read a good book or going to the movies. No, it's actually it's actually ceramics. Okay, great. Can't wait to hear more about that. Describe your breakfast routine in your home. Super easy. The same thing every day. Three eggs. Any style. What is your favorite outdoor activity? I'm not the most outdoorsy person. I think the outdoors is a little bit overrated. So, um, <sighs> What's your favorite indoor activity? How about that? <laughs> Chilling. <laughs> okay. What's one thing you cannot live without? My man and my dogs. Hey guys, today on the show, Tedra and Julie are talking to Paul Lowe from Sweet Paul Magazine. Paul was born in Norway and from an early age was obsessed with cooking, crafting, and decorating. He founded Sweet Paul Magazine nearly 10 years ago, which features food, entertaining, and crafts all without intimidation. Paul now splits his time between New York and Palm Springs, where he continues to run Sweet Paul Magazine and blog. I vividly remember the first time I saw Sweet Paul Magazine in the store at Anthropology. I've been a long-time loving fan of the magazine's digital version since the beginning. Paul is a creative through and through. While his parents were busy at work, Paul spent most of his days with his grandmother and his great-aunt, where his creative wish was their desire. They baked, crafted, sewed, and took him antique shopping. This foundation in his youth was the introduction for his life's work. He believes perfection is boring, and we couldn't agree more. In this episode, we discuss his early career choices, how he ended up in New York City, and what it takes to run a magazine, plus his exciting new project in the works. So before we start the show, we have a quick favor to ask. If you're enjoying the podcast, would you mind sharing it with a friend? Just click the share button and spread the get to know love. Thanks, guys. You're listening to We Get to Know Podcast, and for years, we've all been following some of the most inspiring creatives, innovators, social media influencers, and bloggers. Simply put, we get inspired. The next best thing to following our favorite people is hearing their stories straight from them. So listen in as we get to know Paul. Hi, Paul. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Very excited. I am too. So eggs every day. You never get sick of them, huh? Never. Oh, my God. It's People very often ask me, you know, because with the food thing, that what's your favorite ingredients? And every time it's eggs, it's so versatile. And I've been eating them every morning for like years and years and years. And I never ever get sick of them. Do you mix it up with like scrambled eggs on toast or is it just simply the eggs? Yes, scramble eggs, make an omelet, fried eggs, sunny side up. Lately, I've been mixing it with chorizo. Mm, yum. So I make chorizo scramble or I do, I fry the chorizo first in some butter and then I crack eggs on top, put the lid on, and it just creates these like really crispy chorizo on the bottom, and then you have the creamy eggs on top. Super delicious. That sounds delicious. I know, I know. Okay, so I want to dive back into your past a little bit. Tell me about your upbringing. I did not know this, actually, and I should have known, but because I followed the magazine for such a long time, but I did not know that you were from Norway. So tell us about your upbringing there. Yeah, I was born and raised in Norway, and 
My parents were around, but they had a bunch of businesses, so they would work a lot. And we lived kind of remotely, so there wasn't too many kids around. Every day, I spent all day with my grandmother and my great-aunt. And I was an only child up until I was eight. So, you know, I was their whole life. So whatever I wanted to do, we would do. And I was very crafty. I was interested in food. I was interested in gardening. If I wanted to bake a peach tart for lunch, we would do that. And <laughs> that's charmed. I mean, that's awesome to have like these two adults just like, hey, what do you want to do today? And you just get to use your imagination and do it. Yeah. And they were, you know, very old school. They were great cooks. They both had sewing experience. They had worked as young women. They had both worked in a clothing factory, so they know how to sew. So, you know, if I wanted, like, I've seen this, like, shirt in a magazine. Can we make that today? And then we would do it. Oh, wow. It was actually very magical. So one thing is that you needed the desire. You obviously had the desire to want to even do these things, make a shirt. I don't know a lot of, I don't know what age that was, but let's say under eight-year-olds are like, hey, can I make a shirt today? (laughs) Yeah, no, we would do that. And they, you know, would show me and they would help me sew it and we would cut. And same with my room was like, oh, I want new pillows for my bed. Then we would make new pillows. The crazy thing was that I thought that was something every kid did. That's true. So when I started school, that was such a shock for me (laughs) because they weren't interested in what I was interested in. Right. You know, they were interested in like football and pop stars and stuff. And I was just like, what is going on? Well, you already had your own secret education. Like you were so far ahead of most kids probably entering the kindergarten crafts. (laughs) Yeah. no, No, I was like, why are they talking about football and stuff? I wanted to talk about, I was really into antiques. From a very early age, I had that both for my grandmother and my my mother. And, you know, we would go antiquing, go to flea markets and stuff. So for the first show and tell in school, I went up and I was like, so this is a 18th century Meissen plate. And you can see it's Meissen because of like turning and explaining. Oh, I'm smiling ear to ear thinking of that. That is so funny. I do remember the kids laughing at me and my teacher sent a note home to my parents that said that Paul should probably play with other kids. Interesting. (laughs) Well, listen, you were busy at the flea markets and finding all the good things. So, you know, making those peach tarts. (laughs) How long did you live in Norway then? Were you there the most of your life? Yeah. Until I was 40. Okay, 40s. So yeah. So what was your early career like? Like when you were finishing school, what did you think you wanted to do with your life and sort of some of your early jobs? From I was maybe like 14 to 19, I was dead set on being an actor. Oh, interesting. That was my complete, like, this is really what I want to do. And I, you know, I was training with actors. I went to all kinds of like workshops and stuff. But in Norway back then, there was only one school, like a state school. I didn't get in. And I was so disappointed. I was like, oh, my God, these people are making such a huge mistake. Mm -hmm. When it's all you want to do for years, that's a big disappointment. I know, I know. And, of course, if I had stuck it out, I'm sure I would have gotten in, like, the next year or the year after. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking, what am I going to do now? A friend of my mom's had a flower shop. And he said, oh, Paul is so creative. Why don't he come and work for me a couple of days a week? 
So I did that. I loved that. A year after, I opened my, uh, my own flower shop. So I worked with flowers for several years. And then a friend of mine who was a photographer, she would borrow stuff from my, my store. And, you know, I would do flowers for shoots. And she said, oh, you have a kind of a good eye for this. Why don't you try some styling stuff? So I did that. And I absolutely loved that. So that's how I got into styling. That's interesting, because that was one of my questions. I just thought, like, how does someone become a craft stylist or a food stylist, or in this case, flowers in the beginning? It just sounds like it happened so organically for you. Someone noticed your talent and... Yeah, it happened super organic. I not, wasn't trained for anything. You know, in Norway, especially back then, you kind of had to be a jack of all trades. So you had to know how to food style. You had to know how to prop style. You had to know how to make your own shit. So... It was a great experience. So when I moved here, you know, I was like, oh, I can food style and prop style and make stuff. And people were like, hey, whoa, you're just kind of supposed to do one thing. So <laughs> if you're 40, I mean, you had quite an early career in Norway and then you leap over here. It's like this whole second life that's happened for you. How did you make the leap? Did you come over thinking it's going to be permanent? Yeah, kind of. I did. I came over, I got an agent. I moved on the Thursday, and my first job was the next Monday. Oh, wow. Had you ever been to New York City? Once, and I hated it. Oh, you did? I was there, like, maybe four years earlier, and I thought it was absolutely horrific. I remember it was, like, late September. So in Norway, it was fall, so we brought, like, I was with my friend. So we brought, like, you know, sweaters and pants and, you know, jackets and stuff. And it was so warm. We had to go out and buy like shorts and t-shirts. Everything smelled. I refused to take the subway because it was so warm. I thought everyone was so rude and I hated the whole like sales tax thing. But you don't have sales tax in Norway? Well, it's included in the price. Oh, okay. Fascinating. You don't see it. (laughs) No, it's there. But I just thought it was such a way to like rip people off. Right. (laughs) So on the plane ride home, I said to my friend, yeah, okay, I've done New York. I don't need to come back. Part of the story is that I met someone who happened to live in New York. Okay, the perfect lore. (laughs) Yes, exactly. When you came back and you had met someone, you had had that first experience. Did you think, okay, well, I'm going to give it another shot, and it might be long-term if things work out? When did it shift for you that you maybe could love it? It's different when you are there with someone who knows the city. Because, you know, when you come as a tourist for, like, a long weekend, what do you do? You go to, like, Times Square and you go to all these, like, horrific places, (laughs) which is, you know, dreadful. But when you have someone who can show you the real New York and what's it all about and these little, like, pearls that are spread out all through the city, then a different world opens up. And all of a sudden you realize that this is actually an amazing city. So how long have you been in New York now? So I've been in America for 13 years. 13 years. Okay. First Manhattan, then Brooklyn. Then two years ago, we moved upstate New York to Kingston. And now we live six months of the year in Kingston and six months in Palm Springs, California. Oh, how nice. Yes, we spend the winters in Palm Springs. Oh, that's so nice. So I'm actually in Palm Springs right now, going back to New York in two days. Okay. Okay, well, let's dig into your professional life. 
You started a blog in 2007. So my first thoughts on that are like, what was sort of the orientation of you starting your blog? I knew absolutely nothing, but a good friend of mine had a blog and she got comments and stuff. And I was like, oh, that's cool. I want comments. <laughs> so I had kind of like a blog envy. And it was very fun back then because, you know, blogging was new. I was going to say, you hit the sweet spot. I mean, no pun intended there, but you really did. Like that is the time where people were starting to realize, oh, there's more online. You can do things online. And like the early explosion of like the first pioneers of bloggers sort of, you know. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And so it was fun because people were very active online. You know, there was tons of comments. You got tons of messaging, you know, I would meet up with fellow bloggers, you know, we would go to lunch and breakfast and it was a very exciting time. I guess pre-social media too. So you had that interaction through your blog as opposed to maybe through an app. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it was super exciting. And when I decided, okay, I'm going to start a blog. What am I going to blog about? You know, I'm just going to blog about myself and my work. So that's what I did. I Instead of having like a website to show off my work, I would show it on the blog. And, you know, I just started thinking, okay, well, you know, no one's going to see this. And all of a sudden it just, what happens is that, you know, some of the bigger blogs find you and then they will repost some of your stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, that was super exciting. The first time I, you know, logged on and it was like, oh my God, <laughs> oh, someone, someone found me. <laughs> I'm discovered. It is exciting, yeah. But yeah, so it it was different back then. And now no one comments on anything. Right. It's very hard to interact with people. Right. They're going there for information. They're not looking there for so much of a community these days. Yes, exactly. Hey, guys. We're going to pause for a minute to tell you about one of our partners. Anyone interested in 30% off the best vitamins? We know health and nutrition is important to everyone. One thing that goes hand-in-hand with our health is supplemental care. We've partnered with Dr. C Vitamins to offer you a 30% discount off their premium pharmaceutical-grade and medically-endorsed line of supplements. All vitamins are not created equal. In fact, there is no FDA oversight for supplements. Unlike over-the-counter vitamins, Dr. C supplements are manufactured without commonly found synthetic ingredients. I mean, you guys, who wants synthetics going into our bodies? They're also non-GMO and gluten-free. Their standards are so high, these vitamins are actually manufactured just like a prescription drug would be in an FDA-registered facility. Most vitamins do not subject themselves to this level of oversight. People are always asking if we take these personally, and we do. I take the D3K2 combo to support bone health, memory, mood, and immune support, and their collagen biotin that supports strong hair, nails, and skin. And then when I'm having those nights where I'm having a hard time falling asleep and unwinding, I take the melatonin B6 combo, and it really helps me gently fall asleep naturally. So give them a try, you guys. Go to drccares.com, use our code WEGETTONOW, and save 30% on your next order. Now enjoy the rest of the interview. So when did you start to realize that your blog maybe could be a career or it started picking up steam? Like, when did you think, like, this is what I can actually make my living at? Well, for many years, I had the idea in the back of my head, like toying about having my own magazine. But print is very expensive. At the same time, the first digital magazines popped up online. I think Lonnie was the first one. You know, I thought, oh, I can do that. 
I can make like an online publication. So that's what I did first. First, it was just online. Which is impressive. (laughs) This is impressive because if I saw, well, I did. I remember the early days of seeing Sweet Paul and like finding it and being like, this is incredible. I thought it was the most incredible thing I'd ever seen. I thought the the photography was so just it just seemed new and fresh and I just loved the whole like visual aesthetic that you have in your magazine. But I would have never seen an online magazine and thought, I could do this. So like that's I guess goes to who you are as a person that you thought like, yeah, this is I'm in. I could do it. Well, yeah, because, you know, I can do a lot of it myself and I have a lot of friends in the business that will want to be a part of it. Working for especially American magazines can be kind of draining Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of rules and regulations. There's a lot of meetings and this one doesn't like blue plates. This one doesn't like red plates. This one doesn't like anything. It's a lot of compromise. So if I can say to someone, just make me something pretty, that's liberating and people love that. It would be appealing, and then they also get to just actually show their actual creativity and know that you're going to trust them. Exactly, exactly. So I remember the woman that assigned, you know, the first issues of the magazine. I had a meeting with her, and she said, so what are you envisioning? And I said, whatever you do, I just want it to be really, really, really pretty. And she stands up, and she comes over, and she gives me a hug. And she says, no one has ever said that to me before. Wow. I mean, working in this world, it's like full of creatives. They all have a vision and a voice and like no one's giving them the chance to actually show it. They just want it to be like carved perfectly into like whatever I guess the editor has in mind. So that is cool. Yeah. It felt like, and you know, recession had happened. So then it kind of got worse because then it's like, oh my God, how can we offend the least amount of people? with what we do. It's like I would be on shoots and we would make something and then the pictures had to be sent to the editor. And the editor was in a meeting, so we were just sitting there waiting. It was so much wasted time and effort. It just became draining. So first I was just, you know, I'm going to do this magazine. I'm just going to do it as an outlet. I just want to show people what my dream magazine would look like. It was hobby. On the technical side of that, how did you even know how to lay out a magazine? And how did you know like what it needed to like be from start to finish, like a complete piece? I guess I'm not wording this perfectly, but you know what I mean? Yeah, but back then, honestly, it was just a PDF. Oh, okay, a PDF. Someone started a magazine hosting site. So I just hosted it there. Oh, fascinating. Okay. Yeah, I was just curious about that little piece of it. It was actually really easy. And then... What I didn't know, someone else would know. So I would constantly, you know, do you know how to do this? Do you know how to do that? I'm always very good at asking for help because, you know, I don't know everything. That's the smartest thing to know about yourself. (laughs) Everyone always says, like, if you don't know, ask and don't be afraid to ask because if not, you're the one losing out on information and learning opportunity for sure. The worst anyone can say is no. Right, yeah. That's the worst that can happen. So you're Paul... You have this idea, like how many people did it take to help you? Like, were you doing most of the work yourself? Was it sort of 50-50? I mean, did you have tons of collaboration? At first, I would do a lot of it myself. I had a designer. I had a copy editor because my English is, you know, total crap. Second language. Fair. (laughs) 
And then I had like some photography friends who were shooting for me. I had a couple of friends in, had one in Germany and one in Norway. And I said, you know, do you want to make a story for me that I can publish? And everyone was like, yeah, this is really cool. Let's do it. So it was super small. And it still is. Actually, we're only two people kind of full-time and the rest is freelance. So that's you and then the other Paul. Yes. How did you and the other Paul meet? I say the other Paul because that's how he refers to himself, right? I know, I know, yeah. <laughs> I know. We met, Paul Vital, we met through an ex-boyfriend. Oh, okay. Who said that, I know this guy and I know he's very crafty and he, he does a lot of stuff and you guys should meet. I think you guys would like each other. So we had a lunch and it kind of started with him doing like crafting projects for me. He would do like some embroidery and some, you know, other stuff. And then I would like, oh, do you know how to do this? Do you know how to do that? Do you know how to sell ads? Do you know how to do, do this? It, it just turned into like... A team. Yeah, a team and a job. All the practical things that have to get done to make it work. Yeah, exactly. So we have a team. There's no office. Everyone works from home. We have two designers in Chicago. We have a copy editor, she's in Brooklyn, and then we have contributors from all over, from Sweden to Australia. That's incredible. The idea that you can do this from anywhere, you're not tied to a city, you get to live your life like half in Palm Springs, half in Upper State, New York. And then, of course, you can go back to Norway anytime you want. You can do anything you want. What a nice lifestyle you've got set up. Like, I'm sure it's a lot of hard work you know, to get it to flow the way that it does, but that's so nice to be your own boss and have so much freedom. Yeah, I'm very privileged to be able to do that. I realize that. But yeah, it's fabulous. You know, I'm 53 years old, so I don't have to like stress, you know, that much anymore. So it's it's perfect. What was the main thought when you went from digital magazine and then you became print also? What was your thought there? We went to print because Anthropology wanted to sell the magazine. Oh, I did not know that story. I mean, I remember walking into Anthropology and seeing it in the store for the first time, and I had already been a digital subscriber. So I was like, oh my gosh, I was blown away to have it like in my hands. And I did not know that it started with them. Yeah, it started with them sending me an email. And I was like, oh, that's weird. How are they going to sell a digital magazine? <laughs> right. But they were actually really cool. They were like... Oh, this is what we need, this is what we can give you, and even gave me like recommendations to printers and stuff. And it happened really fast. It happened like after like just a year. That's really cool. Yeah. That would have been like the email would be like, wait, what? <laughs> this huge like store that has like I mean, it has like a really cool aesthetic. It's not just your cookie cutter store. And I think they always appreciate cookbooks and writers and magazines because they always feature them in their store. So that would have been probably one of the first, I imagine, right? For them? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah, I remember it very well because I was actually in the bathtub. <laughs> the email came up on my phone. Yeah, I remember it really well. That's exciting. So let's talk a little bit about your book. You wrote a book in 2014. What was that process like and how did that come about? So when I lived in Norway, I made a bunch of books. I think actually I have like 30 books. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. What Are they all like craft and food based? Mostly food. 
Okay. And then I wanted to make a book here. I couldn't decide if it was going to be food or craft. <laughs> so I kind of, it's both. It's mostly food, but with some craft projects that are kind of, you know, kitchen-based. Kitchen or entertaining-based. It was a super fun project. I learned a lot. For next time, I know exactly what to do and what not to do. Was it a long process for you? A couple of years. Yeah. Most people say it's a couple of years. You always think, like, why does it take so long? They say it takes, it, it's the whole sales process that takes long. It's not making of the book and stuff and not printing. It's a sale. Okay. So I wanted to ask you, what do you think about, like, social media and how did that start? I'm thinking, like, in 2012 probably is the beginning of Instagram, if I'm correct. So at that point, you had your digital magazine. You had your print magazine. Did you realize early on or when did you jump into the social media aspect of things we jumped in really fast we had our um especially instagram since i think the total beginning because it would have been hard to know like what is this and is this going to stick and how much time and value do we put into it and then to realize like it actually is so important these days in a business you know to have a good representation of yourself and your product online and no it's super important and i liked instagram from the beginning because it was all visual i love that but you know we do facebook we do twitter i think we were on some of the other ones but we kind of like cut it down oh pinterest is the big one for us oh right yeah because it's also visual and food related a lot of food related yeah pinterest is actually the one that gives us most traffic to our website oh wow Well, and it's the perfect place to go. Like if you're wanting to do a craft or you're wanting a recipe, it's such a great one-stop shop to go to like find everyone. And then obviously the cream rises to the top. So in preparation for this interview, I spent some time on your website and just even in the kids section, I was like, gosh, I don't have any kids, but if I did, (laughs) I mean, I'm tempted to do some of these things myself. Like even just your little planter that you made with the Vino lotion container once it's empty. But in your kids section, I just thought like, oh man, like how fun is all of this? You know, it's just a place to go and explore and make fun crafts that, you know, there's not a lot of places to go for that these days. No, it's true. And I believe that people actually do want to be creative. They do want to make something. But often, you know, it's not that much time. You know, you don't want to spend too much money on it. So we try to make sure that our projects are very easy, doable, fast, and you don't have to spend like, you know, $150 on materials. It's perfect for like a mom who wants to do something entertaining with her kids for the afternoon where you don't have to spend a lot of money. You probably have the things at home already. So it'd be a perfect place to go and get inspired to do something. Yeah. For me, the the perfect craft project is if I can take something I have around the house, spend like half an hour on it, put it on a shelf and someone comes and say, oh my God, where did you get that? And you can be like, I made it. That's for me, the perfect project. So you have your website and you have the magazine, which the magazine comes out quarterly, right? Four times a year? Yes. So in between, I assume you're doing a lot of work on your website and just putting out new content and um, new ideas, new recipes. Like, how are you constantly coming up with creative content to put on there? Like the inspiration behind all of it? Is it just, I mean, does that take a lot of work for you? Is it something that, I mean, I guess you've been doing it your whole life and it's in you, it's innate in you. It's kind of like in me because, as you said, I have been creative since I was a kid. I guess my brain works 
it just works that way. And then it's kind of like going to art shows, music, you know, books. Fashion is a great inspiration to me because colors and textures and stuff. It can be anything. Do you ever lack inspiration where you have to somehow give yourself a little time off to sort of just a break or respite from it? Yeah, if I'm trying to come up with stuff and I can't, I usually just put it aside and I'll return to it in a day or two. Or it will just come to me wherever I am. I usually always have like a little notebook and a pen so that I can write down like when I come up with something because, you know, I do forget stuff. Do you love to cook? Yes. With the recipes that you feature a lot, I mean, are those just things that you're just making in your home for yourself and they work and so you share them? I mean, is it as simple as that? Yeah. Very often that's that's how simple it is. I love that. You just got the juices flowing all the time. <laughs> what is a day like in the life of Paul? How do you spend your time? What do you like a traditional day? I mean, maybe like off season or like crazy busy season? I'm up early. I let my dogs out to pee and then I make coffee and I watch CNN for like an hour and a half. Yeah. I'm addicted to CNN. Then I make breakfast. And then I start my day, and it all depends on, you know, if I'm working on a magazine, if I just have a day off. It all depends. But I'm up early, have the same thing for breakfast every day. I usually cook three times a day. Mm, wow. So you really do love to cook. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, breakfast is something simple for lunch, like a salad. or, And then, you know, try to make something yummy for dinner. What are your favorite things to do in your downtime? I also do ceramics. So I love going to studio and work on that. That is something I would love to do. So it's like you're working with like the raw clay. Is that what you mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would love to do that someday. Is that hard to get into? Uh, No. I think the main thing is that you can't let the material intimidate you. Because, you know, it is clay. It's kind of like a living material. It moves and shakes and, you know, it's not always, it doesn't do exactly what you want it to do, but you just have to be the boss. Right. right. You're the boss of this clay. (laughs) Make it happen. Yeah. I I feel like there's a lot of intimidation because, you know, of the material, but it's actually strange that I do love it because I have this thing about getting my hands dirty. I don't like dirty hands. Mm, Okay. But, you know, when you work with clay, you just have to. And it's also very good because I'm a little bit impatient. But you have to be patient because, you know, it's a long process. You make it, then it has to dry. Then you have to clean it. Then it gets fired once. Then you have to glaze it. And then it has to be fired again. So it's like a three, four-week process. Oh, so it is teaching you patience. Yeah, so, you know, you can't just be like, oh, you know, it can't be done tomorrow. It just can't. Right. Do you make it back to Norway often? Um, I haven't been back in, like, four years. Mm-hmm. And the reason is my mom died, and it's not, yeah, I don't know, it's not the same going back. It's true, yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, when you lose the connection of the people that you love there, then it's just like, well, I'm just going to visit a place as opposed to the people. It's true. Well, I mean, I have a lot of friends. I have other family. My sister is there. My dad is there. But I don't know. It's just not the same. Mm -hmm. I understand that. So if we were going to Norway, if one of our listeners was going to Norway, like give us like three things that just cannot miss these things. Well, one, you have to go in summer. Oh, okay. Good to know. Yeah. Oslo is beautiful. That's the capital. It's in a fjord. It's beautiful nature. If you're into the outdoors, it's really stunning. Great food. Lots of great art. Expensive as hell. Really? Yeah. It's very expensive. Oh, that's interesting. And it's for someone who lived in New York City for a long time, like that's saying a lot. No, New York New York City is, is like a bargain basement. Oh my gosh. Wow. Okay. I did not know that. It's expensive to go out to eat. Is all of Scandinavia like that? I mean, is it just because of shipping materials or getting things there? Or No, Scandinavia is an expensive place to live. I mean, the wages are really high. People make good money there. And certain things like alcohol is taxed very high. But of course, we do have free healthcare and free education. I'm dying to go to Scandinavia. I've never been. They always say like some of the happiest countries on the planet, you know, are in Scandinavia. It's like you're doing something right over there. That's for sure. I think people are happy because it's certain things they don't have to worry about. Right. Like if you get sick, you will get help. Yeah. I mean, if no one had to worry about healthcare, that takes a lot of like stress off your plate. Right? Yeah, it does. And the money. I mean, it's so expensive to have healthcare here. So yeah, just that alone, that is a big part. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to pass you over to Julie here in a second to do some of our fun, ask everyone questions. But before we do, I read, I think on your social media recently that you might be starting a podcast yourself. I wanted to find out if you're doing that. I am. I am. I'm in the planning now. It's going to be called Sweet Paul Chasing the Sweet Things in Life. Sorry, that was my dog who's wearing the cone of shame. <laughs> oh, poor thing. Why is he in one? He has this, this sore over his eye that he constantly, like, scratches. So, you know, yes. Um, what kind of dog do you have? I have two Frenchies. Oh, so cute. Hugo and Lestat. Lestat. I love those names. I have a dog, Ollie, and he has spent a lot of time in the cone of shame. Just some dogs, I think, are more prone to it. You know, I don't know. Mine just always gets like little allergies or something, and so he's always in it. There's always something. Okay, back to the podcast. So tell me, what will you be doing, and when is it going to come out? You know, as usual, I'm just going to talk about myself. (laughs) Perfect. It's just going to be... You know, I have so many amazing stories from when I was a kid growing up, you know, with these two little old ladies. So it's just going to be about, you know, my life and food and upbringing and the good old times. Great. I can't wait to listen. Yeah, I think think it'll be cute. I think it'll be cute. All right. Um, Okay, Julie's going to hop on. Hey, Julie. Hello. Hi. Hi. Okay, so Paul, I'm so inspired by you saying you walk around your house and pick up something you have and turn it into something that you put on your shelf. (laughs) That looks like art or whatever. I mean, some sort of craft. I'm going to start looking around my house to come up with some ideas. Yeah, and you know, it can be anything from like old containers to, you know, light bulbs. I turn like light bulbs into Christmas ornaments and stuff. So you just have to 
try to look at it with new eyes. Right, which I think is hard to do unless it's a very conscious. Or you can go to sweetpalmag.com and look there. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'll do it. (laughs) Shamefully plugging. That's a good plug. Okay, so what is a great tip you can share with our listeners? It could be about anything. One, don't be late. And two, it's usually not that serious. Things are usually not that serious. And when you get a little bit of perspective, it usually turns out okay. Yes, I totally agree with that one. If I call you at 9 a.m. on any given day, what are you most likely doing? Walking my dogs. What is something people would be surprised to know about you? That I am actually a little bit shy and I'm not the best at like social situations. I would have never gathered that, actually. <laughs> people can think that I'm like, what's called when you have like your nose in the air? Oh, it's like snooty? Yeah, and I'm not. It's just that I'm actually kind of shy. How do you like to decompress? Doing ceramics or watching a good show on TV. What shows do you like to watch, speaking of? Oh, some, I love all these like new Netflix, like little queer shows. There's one called Special, uh, another one called Bonding. I think Netflix are doing a really good job these days. Excluding social media, what is your favorite app? Oh, God, it's Angry Birds. Don't tell anyone, please. Oh, the game. <laughs> mm-hmm. Don't tell anyone. I won't. We can keep that a secret, I promise. Thank you. Thank you. Are you currently reading a book? Um, I am reading an old biography about um, Shirley Temple. Oh. I have a thing about old movie stars. My oldest daughter, she actually dressed up as her one Halloween. Oh. She's obsessed. Yeah, she had a crazy life. Yeah. Describe your perfect day. Going to lunch, summer fabulous, maybe, you know, hang with my man, dogs, maybe go and see a good movie. Yeah, that sounds good. What city has you shedding a tear when you have to leave? Oh God, I always cry at any, everything. So every city I ever left, I've been crying. <laughs> what song do you currently have on repeat? None. None? No, I'm not, you know something, I don't listen to that much music. I really don't. My husband does. He, he listens to a lot of stuff. It just becomes that we listen to stuff in the car. But yeah, no, nothing on repeat. Who would you like to have coffee with? Do they have to be alive? No. Oscar Wilde. That would be a very amusing coffee date. Do you have an all-time favorite beauty product? Um, a Kiehl's creamy deodorant. It works. Do you live by a motto? Yes. And the motto is chasing the sweet things in life. Do you have a celebrity crush? I think Jared Leto is very hot, but it has to be the one with long hair and the big beard. <laughs> the other one is not cute. Yeah, oh, he's so cute. I know. Is there one food that you absolutely will not eat? No. A thing I don't like people saying when they're like, oh, I hate this, I hate that. I don't like people saying hate when it comes to food because there's so many people that don't have enough food. So I'm willing to try anything, including rattlesnakes and, you know, whatever. Actually, the word hate just is a bad word to use, isn't it? Kind of across the board. Yeah. Yeah. I, 
it, I don't like it. I hate when people don't. <laughs> <laughs> I especially when it comes to food, I don't like people using the word hate. So speaking of food, what meal would you choose as your last meal? Maybe some really good carnitas tacos. Delicious. What is your biggest pet peeve? The hate thing and people being late. I don't like people being late. What is the best gift you've ever received? Something that people have made just for me. I love anything handmade. What is the best gift you've ever given? Something handmade. (laughs) (laughs) You have a cute laugh, by the way. Thank you. (laughs) What is the last thing you Googled? Pet peeve. (laughs) I wasn't sure what it meant. (laughs) Second language. Yeah, what would you call a pet peeve? Like, how would you describe that? I thought it had something to do with pets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One last question. What is the greatest life advice you have ever received? That was from my grandmother. It was actually two. She had two. The first was, it's going to be okay. Like, if you're a nice, you know, it sounds different in Norwegian, but if you're a nice boy, things will turn out fine. That was one. And the other one was, you go best through life with a smile on your face. Oh, both of them are great. Good words to live by. And I do believe that actually, it actually helps. Right. Well, a smile, just like a positive attitude, optimism can help pretty much anything. Yeah. Yeah, totally. All right, Paul, thank you for joining us today. We've loved our chat with you. Thank you. Um, Before we let you go, please tell us where everyone can find you online, social media, um, maybe when your podcast might be coming out. You can find us on social media. It's Sweet Paul Magazine. Our website is sweetpaulmag.com. And the podcast will come out, I don't have a date yet, but I would say June. Okay, we're excited to have a listen. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Paul. Have a great day. You too. Thank you. We want to thank you for listening today. And if you'd like the show, we'd love for you to head over to iTunes and give us a positive review. You can find us at wegettoknow.com where you can sign up for our newsletter and we're on social media at We Get to Know. Head over to Instagram. We'd love to hear from you and get your opinions on guests and show ideas. Our music is provided by the talented Blake Atwell of Studio 1916. Until next time, take care as we continue to get to know all of our favorite people.